Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Nathaniel Swan. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 says, At that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers uh, from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you, ye who were sometime who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Um, he being <clears throat> the firstborn amongst many brethren and the one that has gone before us, made of in himself of twain one new man and is making in us of twain one new man. And there's that process that was begun in the beginning as um, he was there and man was being created in his own image. There is a completion of that taking place. And God wants us to have a vision of our calling as sons of God and children of God, not uh, to a place of, of uh, separation or a place of, of uh, exclusiveness, but uh, to a place of greater submission, of greater sacrifice, yeah. of greater ministry yeah. in servanthood uh, to his creation. The coming forth as sons, um, of which Christ is the only example and the true example, will bring us forth in every way in the nature of Christ in every way in the ministry of Christ, in every way in the sacrifice that Christ had. And uh, God is fashioning us and using um, all the things that he has created, including the enemy, um, to bring us to a place of sonship. To bring us to a place of perfectness, a place of completeness, and a perfectness in the Greek meaning maturity, a maturity like unto Christ, which will bring forth the fullness of God's love to his creation in us and through us. And God uh, is wanting us to understand um, the process of um, refining the process of refinement it talks about in the Bible the refiner's fire in uh, Isaiah chapter 48 
and uh, verse 10 talking about the calling of Israel of which we're you know it's it's uh, Paul talks about the fact that without Israel's blindness uh, without them being blinded and and cut off we wouldn't have been able to be grafted in yeah that's right we should be so thankful yeah. and uh, appreciate so much Israel and what has happened to them because if their cutting off was our grafting in what shall the bringing back of Israel be as Paul says but glory that coming together of God's creation and so it says behold in uh, Isaiah 48 verse 10 behold I have refined thee but not with silver I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. And uh, <clears throat> we know that silver is a type of redemption. And uh, God has just now called us to redemption. He's not refining us with silver. He's refining us with gold. And that's deity. That's a type of deity. And uh, as I mentioned, it's not a call to a place that's higher as man would understand it. But it's a place of greater value to God, greater submission, greater sacrifice, because God is a God of sacrifice. God and... Um, I don't know if we can uh, truly comprehend it, but God will give us and bring us to a place of comprehension as we release ourselves to him um, that we will un begin to understand the depths of the love that he had for us, that in man's iniquity, uh, he caused... Uh, his salvation to come unto us, though we were separated from, as we just read, and sent his only begotten son to be humiliated and abused. That through that process, he could save mankind and his creation. And not just uh, save them, but as the scripture says in more than one place, to, to take them from the dunghill and set them with princes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's the sonship he's talking about. Yes. Hallelujah. And God is eager for us to understand and, and to see that uh, he has such a desire for us to put on this new man that has been given to us through Jesus Christ and to leave behind... Um, the things of this world and to understand and and begin to see um, where he wants us to go in the spirit. God is calling us to a spiritual life that's beyond our understanding. Uh, he's calling us to a spiritual warfare. And he's wanting to us to uh, 
to develop that kind of site, um, that will allow us to partake of that which he has for us and which he has called us to. It, in uh, Samuel, in 1 Samuel uh, 16, I'd um, just like to go through a few things. In uh, chapter 16 of Samuel, is talking about Samuel choosing a replacement king for Saul. And how uh, he knew that God had called him to the sons of Jesse and he had them pass between him. And, and uh, when we look at Samuel, we, we uh, see here is a man who from a small child was called to be a godly man. And not just a god, godly man, but called to be a priest, called to be the, the, the leader of Israel, called to be a prophet and to stand before God as a prophet. And... Uh, as these men passed uh, through before him, uh, he was looking at them in, even though his calling was as a spiritual man, he was looking upon them in uh, much in a, a natural sense. And uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, it says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Hallelujah. And it's God just, uh, God's desire for us to um, have a vision and, and reach out uh, to be able to see, not as we would see in the natural, in because this is a spiritual principle that we're reading here, but to begin to see everything that he's doing and everything that he's done in a spiritual sense and to be, uh, begin to leave behind our, the way we comprehend and the way we understand things and begin to see with uh, spiritual eyes. Um, you know when he was when he corrected Miriam and Aaron he was and, and talked to them uh, about Moses because they were despising Moses because he had a wife that wasn't Israelite and they thought that they were just as much leaders. He said to them, God came down and said to them, You know, I speak to normal men in in dreams and visions. But Moses I speak to face to face. And, and God is wanting us to come to a place because he's given it to us already where we won't look to hear from God uh, to have God direct us but we will understand because God has given us his very nature and he wants us to come to the place where we'll begin to walk in what he's given us Amen. and where, we'll, where we will leave behind um, and, and, and allow God to redirect the, the things of our nature uh, to come to the place where we begin to enter into that new man that is created through, in Jesus Christ. Every bit of you is unique. God has created you exactly the way you are. And the, the things that are welling up in your life 
are, be, are not just the passions and nature of man, but the, the calling of God as the new, unique creation that you are. But God is desirous for you to take those things and to direct them uh, to the place of sonship, to allow him to take those things and to fashion your, your passions and, and your uh, nature into that new man, into that sonship, so that you be, can begin to function in the gifts and the ministries that God has called you in and begin to reach out. And this is not something that a man can do. And, uh, you know, just quickly, Jesus, when he was with his disciples, he said, um, the things that the Pharisees teach do, do. Listen to them. But don't do what they do. And he said that, you know, the, not one jot or tittle of the law will pass away till these things be fulfilled. But God is, has, has called us to walk a life that is that in love and in sacrifice and in submission will never bring us to the place where we fall below that. And God is, is, is wanting us to understand that this process that we're in um, if we get wrapped up in, in looking at ourselves and how much we lack and, and how, much every, how much is lacking in our relationships and in the church and in the world, and we are pouring energy into, into misdirection rather than pouring our desires and our energy into the calling that God has called us to as sonships, in sonship. Um, we will, we will uh, we'll have a miserable relationship in our family if we expect our wife to measure up perfectly to submission to us. And if our wife is expecting me uh, 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 as a husband or you as a husband to measure up and, and love her and the family as Christ loved the church because that is not something that happens naturally that is a process that comes by the Holy Spirit and uh, in, a, in, a, in a place where the the things that we're involved in, institutions of relationship and church and community are made up of imperfect people, there's going to be imperfection. But yet in God's plan, there will be perfection. Yeah. And in God's plan, we as men and husbands will love our wives as Christ loved the church. And women will be in perfect submission and we will be in perfect submission. Because it doesn't say there that just women will be. It says be in submission to each other. And we're called to be into submission, in submission to each other. To submit to each other's ministry. To submit to each other's calling. And it is the Holy Spirit that will bring that to pass.
it's a, an easy thing to uh, look on that scripture that I just read and, and where it says that that uh, Jesus made of himself um, one new man. But it was a it wasn't an easy process. The, furna the furnace of affliction may be at the beginning um, the afflictions we feel of the flesh, but there'll be a transition where they become the affliction that Christ suffered. The sufferings of Christ, I believe, as, a, as uh, the scripture really shows, was far beyond anything that was natural. It said he was the lamb, the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. He knew what his calling was. He knew where he was going. He was there when we were fashioned and when God said, let us make man in our own image. This, is, this was Christ's creation that he came to and that he sacrificed himself for. And the... the uh, <clears throat> He cleaved to this creation. As Adam cleaved to Eve and would not be separated from her, as Paul indicates, <clears throat> he did not sin. He went and partook of sin voluntarily because of his love and commitment to Eve. And Christ cleaved and would not be separated from his creation but came down to redeem it and <clears throat> the suffering that he went through was the suffering of the passion of his love for his creation that continues to this day as he's at the right hand of God making intercession for the saints. He is not willing that any should be lost. And he is wanting to build into his people that same compassion and that same passion for every part of his creation that will come to the place of intercession where we can cry out in an intercession that we have never understood before or known before. Hallelujah. But Paul understood it because he partook of it and he wrote about it. Just turn to Romans again. Uh, chapter 8 and I've probably read it too many times but <clears throat> Romans chapter 8 and verse 20 for the creature or the creation was made subject to vanity not willingly but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope God has allowed you to be filled with all of the of the passions and and uh sometimes impulses and your 
tempted and tried. You struggle with evil thinking. Uh, you struggle with angers and, and, and frustrations and all of these things. <clears throat> but God is, is wanting you to release all that is of you and all that you are to that place of refinement. And refinement doesn't take place unless there's a dross rising to the surface. And God is wanting you to realize and to understand that he is not upset with that process. You may be disturbed by the dross that rises to the surface of your life. God is not. He is there by his Holy Spirit to remove that. As you, instead of spending your time in discouragement and uh, remorse, will simply take that dross to the throne of God upon your knees and let him work to take it out of your life and to redirect all of those passions and impulses towards the kingdom and the sonship that he's called you to. So God has made you and has made this worldly situation the way it is that through this great furnace of affliction, sonship, sons and daughters will be fashioned in the very image of Christ and through their participation in intercession in, in, in the calling of Christ will bring about a complete restoration of his kingdom, a complete redemption of his creation. Verse 21 says, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And you need to let the pain of your life be directed towards the call of sonship and the call of God's creation's redemption through the kingdom of God. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. Oh, take opportunity to intercede with groanings that cannot be uttered. Take opportunity to cry out to God for his creation. Take opportunity to allow uh, 
all of your ministry that he's called you to be channeled towards his kingdom and towards the call that he has on your life. You will go from a place of focus on yourself, on your own trials, to a focus on the needs of all of those around you, of all mankind. And all that you're going through will become as nothing as you begin to comprehend the glory of God's kingdom and the work that he's doing. And as I mentioned, the, the suffering and the affliction that you begin to partake of will have transitioned from your own to the needs of all of the creation around you. And it'll be glorious. The suffering will be glorious. And as it says that for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. He despised. That suffering was so insignificant compared to the glory of what he was entering into. And that's what it will be for the church. That in the midst of suffering, people will inquire why you are so joyful. And that's the joy of the Lord being your strength. In the midst of complete chaos, you will have the peace of God that is talks about. For we are saved by hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. For what A man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. It's hope, but it's hope with spiritual encouragement. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You've heard it in these meetings, and I know Brother had had mentioned it. God always knew he was going to do that. He was going to deliver Israel. It was, it was set before the foundations of the world. Just like 
He called us, as it says in Ephesians, before the foundation of the world. I'll just read that. Before the foundation of the world, there just wasn't one thing done. It was all done. It was all set. The plan of God has included everything from the foundation of the world. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. There is uh, only one way we cannot enter in uh, to what he's called us to, and that is by not submitting. It's it's our choice. It's our choice. Ned, where is that scripture from? Uh, Ephesians, sorry. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. God is uh, is wanting to us to understand and to to uh, to grab hold of that uh, that what we see in the conflict that we see around us in the world and, and the conflict in our lives is is uh, only uh, preparatory to to the coming forth of the sons of God as it says in the scripture here that's the groaning of creation and uh, we need to look beyond um, just the process and what's happening. And, and keep our uh, eyes focused and the vision before us, what God's called us to. And uh, if, if we're not putting it, if we're not channeling or putting it to use, if we're not focusing on, on the, the calling that we have uh, to sacrifice and service, then the, the things the things that are working in our hearts will be used as it was in the Jewish people to judge others and to set yourself above. It has to go somewhere. It'll either go in sacrifice and service or it'll go in judgment and, and uh, a privileged attitude, which won't be beneficial. But it has to go somewhere. It has to do something. And the calling of Christ is our calling and it can only be used in sacrifice and service. And Jesus made that statement. If you will, the great, if you, the chiefest among you will be servant of all. If, if you're truly following the path of Christ, there is only one place that you can go. And it's not a place of well, it is a place of privilege. It's privilege, privilege to serve and to sacrifice. It's the, it is the only result of true love. True love can only be directed that way. The force of love can only go towards service and sacrifice because love is, is not an internal uh, self thing. 
Love is given. And God has called us into that place of love to be instruments of love to his creation and redeem it all. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. <clears throat> and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. And there is a spirit, because God is love that has come from God, that will cause you to partake of that love, to be empowered by that love, and to return that love to God, that same devotion, that same complete giving of yourself that God gave to us will return to him and will flow out from us. Love is the, well, and it says, love is the motivating, motivating factor of those that are called of God. It's, it's what drives those that are called of God. It what, it's what motivates them. It's what, what empowers them. And these are not things that we can enter into ourselves. These are things that uh, that can only take place as we realize our bondage in Israel. You know? I don't think there hasn't been a people in any age that have lived as well as we do. Yeah, that's right. As comfortable as, as we are. Yeah. Our parents never did. Uh, nobody in other countries do or ever have. We, we have at our disposal uh, almost anything. And everything. And you know, I remember being in the Philippines and, and we were talking about what, what you have in Canada when you're on welfare. And the response was, oh my, you could live so well, here, so well here in the Philippines on that amount of money. And at the same time <coughs> that... Um, we have at our disposal so much and, and live, have access to so much to live so well. Um, we have so many more restrictions on our life than have ever been before. Our, our parents uh, <clears throat> could do much more on their own than we can. They didn't have any codes or rules for the most part when they came here. And, and develop this country. They could build what they want and go where they want and do what they wanted and 
and could travel wherever they wanted and there wasn't the restriction that is on now and uh, <clears throat> man man's nature is not to be controlled we have a rebellious nature we have we, we have a nature of resistance and and um, that is part of the process is is because you will either go to to you will either rebel or or you will submit and cry out to God and it is funny that that we as Christians can be uh, so harsh um, and so um, filled with righteous indignation over uh, when we see um, unrighteousness in our workplace and and uh, using using the the righteous standards we have learned to judge that situation yet not looking to Ephesians and Peter where it says to be in submission to those that are over you even the froward we are not And that's the failing of the flesh again. You know, there's only one solution. And that's to cry out to God for deliverance. When the apostles uh, walked with Christ and, and they heard Christ praying and they said, teach us to pray. You know, Israel, their whole life revolved around their religion. Everything that they did was involved in their religion. They prayed all the time. Why was it necessary for them to come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray? Because he was a man who channeled all of his passions and everything he was into his prayer. He wasn't just praying. He was interceding in the spirit. He was crying out to God for a creation that he loved with every fiber of his, of who he was. God will bring that kind of prayer in his people. And through that kind of prayer will bring the answer of redemption to creation. And God wants you to um, <clears throat> to partake of that kind of prayer. In, in Hebrews uh, chapter 5. Here, here he's uh, <clears throat> explaining. Revelation says, "We're kings and priests unto him." And Israel, he said unto Israel, "They were kings and priests unto him." And uh, there's only one thing, one calling that a, a priest has, and that's to intercede, to offer sacrifices for every high priest. This is uh, Hebrews chapter five, verse one. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he might may offer both gifts and sacrifices to sin who have can, can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity and by reason hereof he ought as 
for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Um, I don't want to use too much time, but there is there is a, a story about Charles Finney was a, a great evangelist. It says of him that of the people that he brought to salvation, he had a, a record. His greatest percentage of any evangelist, his people stayed true all of their lives to their Christian calling and to holiness. And uh, in the late 1700s and, and uh, early 1800s, he, he, uh, there was a great revival on the eastern coast of the U.S. And at that time, all around Rochester and in, in New York and uh, those upper states were... Um, it was boomtown. It was it was uh, very rough, new area, and uh, at that time, uh, it was said in Philadelphia that a woman couldn't walk down the streets in at noon without being accosted by a man. And after Finney's revival, a woman could walk the streets at midnight and not be accosted by anyone. There was such a change. And uh, <clears throat> when Finney went to this one place, there was a, a uh, Presbyterian priest offering prayer to the congregation and he made the statement that this man, Father Nash, was the most ungodly Presbyterian priest he'd ever seen in his life. He, he was praying, he was kind of looking around while he was praying and, and just intoning um, the things that he was called to do without any uh, passion or or devotion or godliness at all. This man became saved under Finney's ministry and and uh, preceded him before he went to any of these small towns to hold his revivals. And Finney went to this one town and and asked if the the man asked a man if he had seen Father Nash and. Uh, he said, you mean that guy that prays? And Finney said, yes. And he said, well, of course, he's there in the hotel because you can hear him crying and praying for a mile and a half in every direction. <laughs> this was... And the, the, the effects of his revivals were tremendous. But he always said... It was because there was preparation. There was many people that prepared. And this was not a man who, who was praying and, and condemning the place where he was. This was a man who was crying out to God and asking God to forgive the blasphemy of the people that were around here. To heal the hurts and the woundedness. Because that's where... So much behavior comes from. Yeah. So much of, of evil done to and cruelty done from man to man is from the hurt and, and pain that's within the human heart. And he cried to God to heal and to bring forgiveness to the people in this place where he was. 
And he did that everywhere he went. He would go three or four days ahead and just cry out to God with everything that was in him. And so here it says, and no man taketh, this is uh, Hebrews chapter 5 still, verse 4. No man taketh this honor unto himself. But he that is called of God as was Aaron. God has called us to this place of honor, not because we're something, but so that we can be nothing, so that he can be all in all through us. So Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. There's a calling on your life to be a son and a daughter of God and to give yourself without reservation to God and to his work of the redemption of mankind. As he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, though he was the son, yet learned he obedience by things which he suffered, and being made perfect, being made completely mature. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, Seeing ye are dull of hearing, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the or and of or of the oracles of God, and have need of milk and not strong meat. God's desire for us is that we might direct everything. Any effort and energy and view away from looking at the way things are with our natural understanding and begin to let it all flow towards the kingdom of God and towards the understanding that there is no if about this. God will restore his creation and will set up his kingdom And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And as our brother has read from Phillips, and the most wonderful thing about it is in this process we've been given a part. Such a, a stupendous thing beyond our understanding. God has called you to be a part 
and involved in your ministry to call creation to complete redemption. God has called you to have a different vision and to put on this new man and all that's needed for you to put on that new man is to cry out to God with everything that is within you. Take time. Take time. Uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And God is looking for a people who will walk by faith and not by sight, who will not allow the things that they see or the things that they understand uh, to empower their emotions or direct their thinking or be their meditation, but that the things of God and the things of faith the substance of things held, hoped for and the evidence of things not seen will be what captivates your meditations and becomes the object of your prayer and because becomes a desire of your heart, the cry of your spirit unto God until all that you're dealing with is swallowed up in that. And it's a reality that it can happen because the Bible says it will. But there's a submission that must take place. I'd just like to read in Isaiah. Chapter 57, verse 15. You know, the Jews knew the scriptures, studied the scriptures. A man studied the scripture, a Jewish man studied scripture. Every day. It's good to study scripture. It's, as Paul said, Paul said that uh, it's not works but faith. And then James said, well, uh, you you need works. The difference was not that they were against each other, but that um, none of these things... You cannot base your salvation or your calling on those things. It's not based on what you can do. Knowing scripture is a great resource and and a great strength to have that there. But it doesn't make you any more righteous. You are not able to make yourself righteous. Only God can bring forth your righteousness. And only the cry of the Holy Spirit will bring forth in you what God has for you. And only the attitude of, and it's described here, for thus saith the high and lofty one, this is uh, Isaiah 57 and 15, the high and lofty one that inhabit eternity, whose name is holy. Now there's a lot that that can be said just here. 
He doesn't just inhabit heaven. He inhabits eternity. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of, is of a contrite and a humble spirit. Everyone that God called, he called through trial. Everyone that God called in his word, you see, came to a place of, of humility and calling unto God. And, uh, you know, we were taught at the beginning of the move that you receive by giving that you overcome by surrender, that you live by dying. All of those contain uh, the, the spirit of humility, that <coughs> attitude and heart of humility. And uh, because our nature is not, it's necessary to reach and to call out to God uh, for him by his Holy Spirit to bring that that. A gentle and meek and humble spirit of Christ into our life. And uh, as Paul said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Your achievements will not be one carnally. <clears throat> but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. They'll get rid of anything that isn't humble. If you are so, if you are eager and and cry out to God, so with that that contrite and humble spirit, you're able to dwell there in full fellowship with God. You don't need the Word of God to direct you. You're in full fellowship. You're partaking of that nature. You, you know and you commune with God. This is not a place that, that is, <coughs> is for a privileged few. It's a place that's available to whosoever will. Whosoever will. Not only that, dwell and, and be revived because I dwell in a high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. My wife is not the one that's to meet my needs. And uh, maybe say this right. The church is that the, the the church is not the one to bear my burdens, but it will. But each of us is to find our complete um, resource personally in Jesus Christ, our strength in Jesus Christ. And uh, as we begin to walk into what God has called us to, as I... I mentioned, yes, we will bear one another's burdens. We do bear one another's burdens, but we will in a sense that we don't understand right now. 
Um, I just I will say this before in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 but as it is written I hath not seen nor ear heard neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him um, there is no perception that man has or can possibly have of what the glory of the kingdom is and uh, and yet but God hath revealed them to us by his spirit it's, this is done for the spirit searcheth all the things yea the deep things of God for what man for what man knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him so uh, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God uh, you know I, I Words cannot explain, uh, but may the Holy Spirit help us to understand uh, how he would like us to, to really direct all of our focus and energy uh, towards the light of life and not worry about the darkness at all. Amen. Not worry about what's going on in the world. Yeah. Not what, worry about what's going on in governments. Not worry yeah. about anything that has to do with the weakness of the flesh because it's all going to pass away. And somehow, you know, I'm so blessed that my wife prays for me all the time. Intercedes for me all the time. Because I really need it. I really need it. And and those who know me would, would say, yeah, he really needs it. <laughs> which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Yeah, glory to God. You know it's available. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's the glorious thing about what God has given us is he given us a choice we can pay attention to everything that's going around us and direct all of our energies into those things or we can look at the kingdom of God and realize that we have the ability to be as it says to be taught of the Holy Ghost that's such a glorious thing yeah. you can you can uh, Learn all kinds of things in the world. 
You can achieve all kinds of things. You can teach your kids all kinds of things. And they can have all kinds of talents that you can develop. But what about the spiritual? Yes. Are the children learning how to intercede in prayer? Are you taking all the things you face in your family altar? Let your kids pray with you about them. Spiritual, the opportunity for spiritual development. I don't want anything that I say to be to condemn anybody. But I want somehow for you to understand what's open before us yeah. and what we can enter into. Things that are so glorious, not just in, in the kingdom that's coming, but in the here and the now. So glorious for our personal relationships and our family. So glorious for what can happen in the church. If we will direct all of our energy and desires and meditations towards God's kingdom and towards his calling for us and uphold each other and bless each other in our prayers because of what he's called us to. God will teach us by his Holy Spirit that new man will begin to blossom forth in, the, in a way we've never understood before through the power of intercessory prayer, through our crying out to be finished and free with this Egypt that we're in. And the most marvelous thing is that God says in his word, if that spirit that raised up Christ Jesus Christ from the dead dwelling you, it will quicken your mortal body. You can look for the quickening of your mortal body and it won't happen. But if you look to your, towards your calling, if you reach out as Paul said, reach for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, oh, the blessing that will pour upon even your natural being upon those around you, upon your families, upon your community, because you're focused on the right thing. It'll be more than our eyes, more than our perception can fathom. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, about how your spirit has moved and told us that there's such an opportunity for change and there's such a willingness on your part to change us. And if we will just humble ourselves and call out to you, there is an anointing that will come upon us that will take us to a place of intercession we've never been before where we will see not the intercession, but the answer also, where we will partake of the coming together of the body of Christ, where those things that have previously been obstacles will begin to fall into place, Lord. Those things that the enemy has meant for evil shall be used for good. For you are God. 
You are God and our Father. Father, you know the needs of your people. You know the needs of the church. You know the needs of our communities and nation. And the need is you. So we pray, make us instruments of your anointing. Make us channels of your love. Bring us to a place of submission and humility in you that you can freely flow through us in a way we've never understood before. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor and we thank you for our calling. And we pray you'll bring that to its perfection in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org. Thank you.